What is up, guys? Welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. And we are back once again, and we're going to start with a, a couple of updates and then get into some pretty fun topics. So, Brent, what have you been up to? Well, starting with me. Okay. Uh, hey, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Paint Bravely. I'll stall here for a second. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Nova Open Charitable <laughs> Foundation raffle. So this is a raffle that normally corresponds with the Nova Open uh, event, convention, convention. gaming yeah. convention. Yeah. And it has been happening every year for, I don't know, the last 10 years or so. And normally along with the convention is a charity raffle of you know people donating painted models and armies and stuff like that and people buy raffle tickets and somebody goes home with some sweet armies and models and this year i contributed three squads of blood angels to this event and made a couple of videos of painting up those blood angels and anyway that that event is running right now so you know, if it mm. is before September 6th, when you're listening to this, you could buy raffle tickets and see how that goes. And of course, uh, this will be back next year, presumably. Presumably there might even be a, an actual Nova Open event next year. But... So, so the, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to give this a little bit of a plug, but I also wanted to just ramble a bit about the the ethics of whether or not I should buy tickets myself to this event. So, <laughs> um, so, I would say yes, a hundred percent. You should buy tickets. I mean, because you painted three squads and and it's a full army, right? Like two thousand points or more. Of yeah, blood yeah. angels. So I, I'm not allowed to buy tickets for the item I submitted. <laughs> for the blood angels. Because that would be a terrible <laughs> right. look if the person who painted them won them. Very true. Especially, yeah. man, what if that happened like a couple times in the same year, like the. The people who painted yeah. the armies won the armies. That would be a terrible look. <laughs> I mean, it would be sort of, right? Like, you're still, it's an auction. So you would presumably have paid the most money out of anyone else. Or I suppose it depends. Like, well, it's if a, it's, it's just a raffle. A raffle. So statistically, yeah. I mean, you, you got a better chance if you really buy a lot of those tickets. But right. it's still a bad look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that'd be weird. Don't do that. Yeah, because but the other time there's there. a raffle, you can make the you know accusation that it's rigged or not fair or they're playing favorites with right. who won it. There, there was no random number generator. They just, they just gave it to old <laughs> Brent, you know. So I am not allowed to bid on the Blood Angels. Yeah, that makes sense. If but, they pulled your name, they just per pretend they didn't, you know. That's, I mean, that's possible. Mistakes yeah. have been made before, you know? Best picture has gone yeah. to the wrong picture at the Oscars before. Mistakes are made. You can't rely on <laughs> every, like every uh, cog time. in the machine being being on the ball with these things, yeah. Mm -hmm. But there are like 30 other items on the raffle sheet, which I am not technically prohibited from buying tickets for. Okay. 
So, yeah. you know, Duncan Rhodes did a, did a night that's being raffled off. Vince Venturella has a, a mm-hmm. couple items that are, uh, one is a very nice painted, uh, what's the word? Imperial fist space Marine, like a you know, very smooth yellow, very, very nice looking Marine. And, and then Vince also did, he took all of his paper from his wet palettes for the last year and stuck them down inside a <laughs> uh, picture frame. And it's called a year of wasted paint. Oh, wow. And so it's just a giant framed image of just old wet palette <laughs> paper. And it's very colorful. It's got a, it's got a feel to it. It's got an aesthetic. It's got a style. So there's. It's funny you say yeah. that. I've been thinking about that. Like, using my old palette paper, because I stack it up kind of in a corner to just send to people as I ship models out, just just to wrap everything up in. I haven't done that yet, but I thought about it. I thought, would it be too weird? But now that that Vince has done it, obviously it's art, so. Well, there are times when it's actually really beautiful. When I was working yeah. on some some lizard men, some seraphon, the colors involved with you know trying out different scales and skin tones, and you got your your greens and your teals and your oranges. That wet palette was beautiful. I was just <laughs> trying out all of my best colors and seeing what happened. And the the excess paint from that thing, I should have saved that. I really should have. I think I threw it away. And then afterwards, I was kicking myself, but. Anyway, hmm. if you want uh, if you want Vince's old wet palette paper, you can bid on that. So so <laughs> here's where the ethics get tricky, though. I've just told you about a few of the items I'm interested in, which make which may make my odds of getting them lower, because maybe by me saying right. like Vince just painted a really <laughs> awesome, you know, Captain Lysander or whatever it is, maybe more people are going to be bidding on Captain Lysander. So what if this it's is all in this direction? Yeah. Maybe I'm actually more interested in the Dave Taylor Ultramarines. What if what if my hmm. play is to distract people from the item I really want? Is that unethical? I don't know. I mean, for charity? No. Like, okay. You're just getting more people to give to charity. Like is is that bad? No, it's not bad. But I pay no attention to, to this dragon model over here, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one you didn't mention. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hyping up all the models except this sweet dragon. <laughs> They're and all so good. This dragon, all my no chips good. on the table. Yeah, no good. Like, I'm all in on dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the ethics are like on that. I haven't decided if or how many tickets I'm buying this year. You know, hopefully just doting yeah. the Marines and, and uh, hyping it a little bit helps, but we'll think about it. We'll Every little bit it. helps. We've got a little bit of time here. All right, your turn, Casey. What's new with you? Ooh, my turn. Mm. Well, I've been working on an awesome orc army, and I made a decision about that. So normally when I work on stuff, like I, I like to throw it back up on eBay. Um, you know, just to further the hobby, keep the channel going. But in this case, I decided that I'm not going to sell these orcs. They're just too awesome. So I'm keeping a full 40k orc army that hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'll actually be able to play in a game this year. 
but I'm definitely keeping it, not getting rid of it. And I'm so happy about it. Dude, I like it. That's awesome. That's a great call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, it's as been a long time since I've, I've kept something. Yeah. As we're recording this, I think your your first video with those orcs came out yesterday. And this yes. was the first time of me really seeing that army. And it looks awesome. <laughs> it, it really does. It's, a, it's an exciting blend of <laughs> units and everything. And... You know, I haven't seen mm-hmm. what paint scheme you're going to do with them. I've just seen them all built up and, no and fixed idea. up and primed and stuff. But I think it's good. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure what colors I'm going to go with yet. Um, like, I've painted a lot of Iron Jaws, and that's, you know, the whole yellow thing, and, and especially that whole pink to yellow trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of want to avoid that. And I'm not sure what I want to go with. I haven't even... I haven't even looked anything up yet. I haven't looked into color schemes or I don't even know how Games Workshop paints them. So I don't know if I'm I'm going to look anything up or if it would be more exciting to just put paint on a model and see what happens. Um, but I, well, I do, do want to paint some... it all in one go. Well, let's go through some yeah. options here. It's, if, sweet, if you sweet. got right, green skin, on. you're probably not using green. Can we, can we rule out green? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. You've done yellow before. Now yellow mm-hmm. looks nice with orcs, but you've done it before. Can we rule it out? Can we cross yellow off the list? Yeah, I I think so. Just for the sake of of not retreading old territory. Um. Yeah. Let's just rule out yellow entirely for armor. Okay. Yeah. That, that feels weird, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Guy Midwinter Minis did a a purple army does that right which i'm definitely going to avoid okay okay so that's i don't want to i don't want to make the same video that he did right like because i want to sit down and paint all of these in a very short time period um and i don't want to do the same thing that he did because his are his orcs and i want mine to be my orcs right so definitely avoiding purple Mm -hmm. yeah okay we're we're working our way around the the color wheel here. Okay. <laughs> how many we have left? I'm just gonna say well, not everything. <laughs> okay, well let's get our let's get our stuff that's not really on the color wheel. Uh black or white? Black, white, tan, brown. Yeah, like black could be cool. Okay. Probably not white. I think white's not white, a little no. weird for orcs. No. But like black armor with like uh and, and actually you know, like white checker, like a checkerboard mm. on the shoulder pads, that kind of thing. So, you know, you that You said you that wanted could to do work. this quickly? That's a good point, but I have a cricket cutter, and I'm going to use my old awesome stencil technique to make those. And I, I'm pretty sure I can make them small enough. I don't know yet. <laughs> I haven't tested yeah. it. Yeah, let me know how it goes. The I'm always a little bit skeptical of... St- uh, stencils that do a checkerboard pattern because mm. like the, the squares are supposed to connect at the corners you know or uh, none of the black point. squares yeah. are actually connected to each other there's just mm-hmm. you know maybe sort of at the corners and so does that mean you have a rectangle and then you have a bunch of tiny squares that you're laying out as the stencil <laughs> you know? there, there's a probably a, a clever workaround to that situation but Yes, yeah, like a checkerboard I, pattern yeah. is the perfect example of when you would want a stencil, but also it 
that it doesn't work over. unless you have a really clever workaround to that because yeah none of the black squares actually touch the huh. other black squares so so in terms of a physical stencil yeah and yeah. if you just painted a little line in it would look stupid hmm that's a very interesting point. So I'm, just, I'm shooting down all your ideas here, Casey. We're going through all of the colors and that's all perfect. the patterns and telling it. you why you can't do it. And eventually, no, that's, that's we're going to settle on you're doing an orange army. So, uh, uh, yeah, did you, okay. Did you ever play? Um, did you ever play like Warcraft two or Warcraft three or, or Starcraft or anything like oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I always liked how you know, in, especially in multiplayer games or whatever, you would have you know, eight different colors for right, the same yeah. units. Yeah. The, the orc grunts would have the shoulder pad that would either be red or... It was interesting which colors were one of the eight colors. You know, mm -hmm. teal was often a color. So, like, mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, red and blue would be the ones you'd most commonly see in the game. But then you go to, to play a multiplayer game, and then all of a sudden there's the the teal army and the, yeah. know, the, the white and the black shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's crazy. I haven't, but, I haven't thought about it, that in years. I, the, yeah. I totally so, remember. So, that. in some ways, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different colors could work. But in, in some ways, when you actually go to paint a whole army, do you really have that choice? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's I a good know. question because I mean, the the variety of units that I have, I mean, there there are a lot. There are a lot of different types of models. So, I don't know. I have to find something that I can incorporate into a lot of vehicles as well as mm -hmm. just the straight units. Um, orange is not a bad idea because a lot of the, like the, the, uh, the, what are def copters and kill a cans. Um, I want them to just be a rusty mess. So like orange could work if I do like strong metallics and, and different things and then throw a bunch of rust onto those vehicles and then all of the units have like, you know, orange shoulder pads with something on it, whatever it is. Uh, if it's checkers or chevrons, I don't know. Whatever ends up working best, I guess. But orange isn't bad. Yeah. And if I do purple as an undertone to the green skin, that could be nice. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited to see what you come up with here. And and I really am liking this change of you occasionally just rescuing a whole army on your channel. <laughs> Right, I got two of them. It's nice, yeah. I got two of them waiting right now. So I got these orcs, and then I have uh, another large corn uh, demons army that looks like actual garbage. Like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I found them in a garbage can. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. Have you started the rescue on that? Are, I mean, are you just going to make them super nasty, or uh, are yeah. you going to try to file down the hot glue, or what are you going to do? <laughs> Some of them are pretty bad. Um, I don't know. I, I, they could go that way, like just super disgusting. Um, but you know, I, I don't want it to be a giant red blob either, because that's kind of the danger with the the corn demons. Everything's just red. Um, I have done one uh, demon model with like a, a blue ice sword, like the classic kind of look to it so there'll probably be some of that in there um but i haven't i haven't even gone through the units yet you know i've kind of looked at a few of them and most of them are still packed up so i don't know that that one that one could be interesting i might need some help with that one eventually 
Yeah. Have to decide if you want the uh, the heirs to be part of the army or if you're going to actually try to fix them up or yeah. give yeah. them Nurgle slime all over everything. I don't know. <laughs> just blood for the blood god. Just dump it on. Yeah, or do the thing you did, make them stone corn demons right. and do uh, on <laughs> yeah, some moss all over everything that's nasty. Yeah. I think that'd be great. <laughs> just... Um, I'm painting another army, guys, like uh, Stone Cast or Stone Demons around two. <laughs> Just do that like three or four times in a row. It works. I think building up a, a running joke like that is, is pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Just change the color Just, from uh, blue to yeah. red. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I did. I did kind of think like, okay, well, I could cover the models in uh what is it a grell in earth the crackle paint and just have them be sure. lava demons you know kind of the same thing right yeah. yeah well i mean we're joking a little bit here little but bit. these are these are reasonable workarounds like the oh yeah these are not terrible ideas yeah yeah i mean when you have models if, that if you are have missing some... parts or are just broken like someone stepped on half of them you have to figure something out that like kind of folds into the narrative right so having them be stone if they're broken bits makes sense because a lot of pieces of old stone fall off so you know running with a theme that ties everything together is really helpful yeah uh stone lava monsters swamp monsters fire yeah any yeah. of that stuff is a, is a reasonable workaround. Find a way in universe that explains why they're uh, not pristine the way that somebody else's corn army mm -hmm. is going to look, and you can yeah. make it work. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Um, yeah, it's been good. I don't know. It's it's like I feel like uh, like my hobby's taken this weird turn in the last month or so. I'm just being way more exciting for some reason. I don't know if it's it's getting, you know, a 3D printer and kind of having this whole world open up to me that I never knew about before or what it is, but I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the hobby lately. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's always interesting to see how, you know, as individuals we're wandering down different pathways and... I don't know if our viewers are always excited by the pathways that we wander <laughs> down, but right. <laughs> I know, I know for myself, I'm just kind of uh, had a lot of 3D printing po uh, projects pile up one after another here. Yeah, and I, I put out a couple of videos recently, and I have a couple more coming up pretty soon here. Um, partially from like collaborations with different companies, but also you know some of the minis that I've been shopping for or seing across my stream uh, have been 3d print minis that i that i am excited to 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 buy and print and start painting way faster than i can order and have a mini <laughs> ship to me you know yeah there is something nice about that almost instant gratification of just having it you know like the next day or within four hours or something yeah so so uh, a mini that i've come across recently and just had to to buy and print and i've gotten it primed up and i'll, I'll paint it soon is a combat wheelchair oh yeah which yeah. opens up yeah you've seen these 
I've seen, I saw them on, on Instagram too. Um, and I, I've seen them on Facebook. They've been kind of making the rounds through a lot of the hobby groups and they're, they're awesome. Yeah. Continue. Continue. Yeah. So the, the story on these is, I don't know, a month back, somebody wrote some homebrew rules for how to include a wheelchair in D and D. And, you know, they, it's in the vein of inclusion and being able to, to customize your character to maybe reflect who you are in real life or, or maybe not, but just to include, you know, wheelchair users in D&D. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a couple of things happened from that. One, enough people thought it was a good idea that uh, a couple of mini companies started making some pretty awesome minis mm-hmm. of characters who use a wheelchair and uh you know i printed off a rogue character Mm. who we will definitely be talking about here and uh, you know of course uh, associated with homebrew rules for a wheelchair in D &D, there was backlash from the the usual 4chan types but (laughs) yeah this is an interesting uh controversy uh... in that the the other side is so wrong that i'm not even motivated to get up in arms about it it's just like yeah yeah more more options for your character always a good thing more yeah like whether whether you uh are or not are not a wheelchair user whether you want to play that in your game cool more options good like and how, how could that ever... my, my understanding is that you know some of the some of the backlash was you know whether or not it's realistic in a game of dungeons, game and, of dragons, dungeons and dragons right <laughs> or whether it, oh my god like you know or, or whether it gives unfair benefits like just what like uh disneyland benefits DM, but, is that but, what they mean like you get to cut the line like <laughs> what oh no don't even go there don't <laughs> even go there <laughs> just i just i'm so no. confused by people sometimes like what what could they then, possibly have uh whatever yeah the, and then there were, there were all the arguments about you know what about stairs like just it's a game <laughs> of creativity figure it out right it's a, it's a game of creativity you'll if you can't deal with stairs like you you're not good at Dungeons and Dragons. You don't understand right. what it is to be good at Dungeons and Dragons. It's also a social game. Part of the game is being able to work with people in the game to and out of the out game. Problems. So yes. either in the game, figure out a way to, you know, have somebody help you out with the stairs situation, or or out of the game, say to your DM like, "Hey, maybe this is a ramp. You know, maybe yeah. maybe not everything is a, is a problem for me here. Maybe we can just gloss over how." Uh, how how the you know barbarian walked up the stairs and and I used whatever system I used to get up the stairs like maybe maybe yes. that's not the important part of this game that we're playing together <laughs> maybe this is the least important part of uh of going through a dungeon yeah yeah just i mean it, it's just cool to see that people are thinking outside the box a little bit and and coming up with really cool model designs to reflect a essentially a choice as a character to play in a game of fantasy. Like, like you said, whether or not someone is in a wheelchair or isn't, it it doesn't really matter. 
and how you handle problems in a fantasy game doesn't really matter. I just don't even, I cannot fathom why someone would have an actual problem with that. <laughs> like it, I, <laughs> I mean, we, we knew there would be these people, but it's, it's <sighs> one of those things where, you know, I, I could get really upset about it, but right. for some reason I'm not just because it's so obvious how wrong these people are yeah. that, uh, yeah. But, but anyway, for me, I saw the mini and just on the mini alone, how cool this character was. So there's a company, uh, Strata Miniatures, who's put out four different classes mm -hmm. in the combat wheelchair. I think they're going to make at least eight more for, for some of the other classes in D&D. Sweet. And the rogue character, okay, so it's it's a it's a wheelchair except instead of two big wheels and two small wheels, it's it's two big wheels and then four small wheels, you know, extra stability or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the really cool features of this lady rogue is that she has throwing knives <laughs> on the big wheels of her wheelchair. Yeah, I saw that. That's so. Cool. So like as she's rolling along, like the pommels of the throwing knives are just right there, ready for her hands, and she could do like sweet, you know, uh, underhanded flicks and throwing uh, these knives everywhere. Mm -hmm. And she's also got it, and there's just a ton of little cool details, like on the kind of on the back of the wheelchair, she has adventuring gear, you know, packs, sleeping roll, rope. A crossbow, all this cool stuff. And then I think my favorite detail is in the front of the wheelchair, she has drawers. Like, um, you know, un under her legs, she has a set of drawers. Hmm. So what could a rogue put in those drawers, Casey? Poisons? Yeah. Knives? What else? I feel like you're trying to prompt me here, and I uh, feel like I'm going to fail that. A test there. Uh, yeah, not poison? <laughs> More knives? Well, uh, the point is she could put all kinds of stuff in there. Poisons, <laughs> lockpicks, more knives. That's true. Uh, a forgery kit. She could have, you know, really essentially all four of those drawers are going to have false bottoms. And there's right. just going to be more <laughs> hidden stuff in there. She is going to be the smuggling character. Right, yeah. Uh, this... Yeah, this lady is going to get through all the customs checkpoints with whatever the group needs to be smuggling across. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just think it was really cool because, uh, yeah, I can see this character having a little problem with stairs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's also representing a character that is encumbered in, in the ways that like a normal D&D &D character would be. In terms That's an of, interesting way to it, look at it, yeah. Yeah, she, she's actually... Uh, you can believe that she has all the gear that are that's on your right, character yeah. sheet. It's all it's all uh, stashed away in you know specific right. places all over the the chair. That's interesting. Is there an encumbrance rule in D and D? I have no idea. There's, uh, I mean, I don't follow the rules carefully, but <laughs> right. there's there's rules about how much you can carry for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's an interesting uh, interesting take on that. Like, just from a, a gameplay perspective um you know cheating the rules a little bit by saying well obviously i can carry 10 times more than you can you know right i mean on the character sheet it, it is kind of fun to think about 
you know, what it says that you're carrying around. You have an adventurer's pack that has rope and torches and this many rations. Right. And you have a sleeping roll and, uh, I don't know, you've got your armor repair kit and you normally have, uh, you got your whittling kit and I don't know, depending on what your character is, you have a pretty good list of things that you can be carrying around mm -hmm. plus your loot or whatever. So... I'm sure this has already been done, but it would be interesting to to see like a YouTube video of someone cosplaying right. as if they were actually. actually walking around with all this crap. <laughs> yeah, um, way yeah, too you're, much. Your paladin with their full armor and their shield and their mace and their books also has just a bunch of rope and a bunch of food and a bunch of yeah. It it it. I mean, it, it's useful for the game to be able to say that, yeah, you're walking around with 10 spare torches and your <laughs> tinderbox, and, but it doesn't really make sense, except this rogue character, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, she's got, she's got a chest of drawers under her legs there, where she's keeping all her rogue stuff, and um, the last thing I wanted to say, she just has a sweet headband, and like, this character looks awesome. And it's just one of those things where, because I have a 3D printer, saw this model, immediately bought it for five euro or pounds or whatever, right. printed it off, and uh, good to go. Have you have you painted it, or you just got it all printed? So I got it uh, Zenithal primed. Ooh, yeah. And then I, I printed this 200 times, or sorry, 200% height. So, I mean, it's a... Bigger is not a huge mini, but it's a, a, a nice size for painting. It, you can really see the details on that size. Yeah, yeah. But I did the thing where I printed it hollow, and I forgot to put holes in it. Have you tried uh, this yet? Yeah, so I, I saw something about it that you need to punch a hole in it so that you don't have resin floating around uncured. <laughs> is that what's going on? It's basically like a water bottle now? Yeah, you cracked the code, Casey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so I needed to fix that, but I, I did get some fun video footage that'll be in a video eventually of, I have a nice primed mini and then you can kind of see like a little bit of a, like a wet spot. Right. It, it ended up being kind of near the ankles where the wet spot was on this mini, but kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a hollow print. So you're not using a solid chunk of resin, yeah. but some of the resin that you're, you know, quote unquote saving got locked in the hollow space anyway and is leaking out. <laughs> so I have a video where I'm taking a Dremel to the bottom of this mini to open it up, right. and a lot of <laughs> resin comes out. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's so great. I had a, a, yeah, I had a pretty nice Zenithal highlight on it. I was ready to, to paint up this nice mini. And I can see, like, oh, no, there's a little bit of resin in there. Yeah. So I put a tiny hole um, kind of in between the ankles, and it was just... Know, dabbing it with a paper towel like yeah i think there's a lot more in there so i took a, a larger drill bit on my dremel came at it from from below and you know busted in with a large size dremel and just many milliliters of resin just come like squirting out at the bottom of this mini and i should have printed it solid like i should have just right you know invested the extra 20 cents of resin and, and printed it solid but oh, that's the thing like like when it comes down to it that's that's literally what it is right it it's like a quarter you know it depends it, it's on not the money. very for, much for this money. one <laughs> yeah but it, it was a situation where like, okay so now it's 
it's primed and it's now covered in resin. So ordinarily what you're supposed to do is when you're setting up your print run in the computer program, you, you drill a hole so that it prints with a hole in the mini so that you can drain the excess resin out Yeah. so that it doesn't, you know, um, and I forgot to do that and I ended up manually putting in the hole a couple days later after I had primed it and everything. So then this thing is, you know, it's primed and then it's just covered in resin so I had to, you know, take it down, wash it with alcohol, and then like reprime it. But now we're good to go, Casey. Yeah, now all we're right. Good to go. So. Sweet. And you got all of that on video, right? A lot of it, yeah. The I think I got yes. pretty good in focus, uh, you know, in frame shots of the oh putting that Dremel moment. right through the bottom of the mini <laughs> and then squirting out the the resin. So, oh man. Yeah, for our videos, it's, so it's fun to show the good moments and 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 the funny bad moments too. Yes, I mean because it's I'm something not, that I'm not will too happen. upset about this one. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen, and it's much better to have it on video to share. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome. You're welcome. I'll try not to make that mistake too many more times in the future. Like it is really annoying. It is. Yeah. It feels bad, except for the fact that I'm like, okay, this is silly. Somebody's going to get a <laughs> laugh out of this, and I got some decent footage of it. But yeah, and I'm and I'm glad that you know when I put the Dremel through, it wasn't like just a little bit of a leak through came through. It was like a ton of resin came out when I shoved that Dremel through. <laughs> and, uh, really made the point pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've hollowed a few models out, um, and I haven't had any of those issues yet. And I, I used the the punch tool uh, in the Anycubic software, and I think that put a hole in it, but I'm not sure. But I haven't had anything leaking out, so I, I think I'm good. I have a feeling this is going to happen to me at some point, though. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make that mistake. And I thought it was being clever, you know, okay. Yeah. We're, we're printing a larger size mini here. Mm -hmm. Don't want to waste all that resin. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to waste all that resin. Larger size mini. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Should have just printed it solid. Or printed it hollow with a hole in it. But live and learn. Yeah. Live and learn. For sure. Um, So that's that's kind of one of those things. It's a little bit, would you say, eye-opening in the hobby? Not the, the resin, but having these really cool models come out of nowhere. It's just something you you saw and were immediately excited about and wanted to pursue. Yes, Casey, good transition. I'm trying, man. <laughs> no, I think you did a great job. I had so, it earlier before that I, conversation. I, think... I did it. And then and then it was glossed over. <laughs> so we're going to make a point did you? to transition right now. At least I am. Okay, so the main topic of today's episode... Yes. We're going to we're going to get into these these big moments in our hobby lives where we discover something new um maybe that just we didn't realize existed or sometimes the the hobby itself discovers or invents something new. Mm -hmm. So I think this is an interesting kind of smaller example of somebody came up with the idea for a combat wheelchair which maybe there were a few wheelchair minis out there before but not like this, definitely not yeah. like this. And it's it's one of those things where that's a really cool idea, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a 
undeveloped possible avenue of our hobby, like a new genre of minis almost. And whether, you know, in this case, it was almost like the hobby as a whole was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. We're, we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, but sometimes these moments happen more on, on an individual level where just, uh, Gunpla has been out there forever, but Casey just figures out that Gunpla is a thing and gets really into big robots for a while, you know? Right. Um, uh, you can't see so, it in the yeah, video. Let's, let's talk about some of these me. big moments then. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a pretty good story about airbrushing in particular. Um, so when I started in the hobby 20 whatever years ago at this point, um, like I, I got some brushes, I got some paints, you know, a handful of models and I was starting to do this stuff. And since there wasn't any way to learn online or YouTube or any of this stuff, you know, it was basically just white dwarf. And we all know that games workshop really doesn't talk about airbrushing. So even back then they certainly didn't because it really wasn't a thing. Um, but I was painting for a little while and then for like Christmas or my birthday or something, my parents got me an airbrush from Harbor Freight and they said, Hey, you know, this is for painting small things. You should try this. And I mean, I'm like 12 years old, right? They didn't get me a compressor cause they assumed that somehow, or my dad did that he could like hook it up to, um, like a, a larger compressor. Right. But mm -hmm. never really did anything with that. Um, and when I got it, I was like, I was kind of excited about it. You know, I didn't want to be mean, obviously. <laughs> it's a gift. But I was like, this this isn't how you paint miniatures. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, this tiny brush is what you do this job with. And I kind of just forgot about it. You know, like, I still have that airbrush somewhere. But it was, it's been sitting in my garage for that long. Um, and obviously, you know, coming back to the hobby... And this relatively new thing, the airbrush, right, uh, is being used for our hobby. And it was like when I saw people, and probably specifically uh, Kenny from Next Level Painting, use the airbrush, like that light bulb went off. And I had to go look for an airbrush. And I found my old one. It didn't work. You know, it was also a siphon feed. So it was garbage, garbage airbrush, whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that completely changed the way that I even looked at the hobby and I don't even think I've made a video where I haven't used an airbrush. Like, I don't think I painted a miniature without using an airbrush since before. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, tools and materials like that can be a really big eye-opening, uh, paradigm-shifting sort of event in our hobby lives. That's that's the sort of stuff we're talking about. Yeah, when you actually hook up an airbrush to an airbrush compressor <laughs> and you, you know, actually put some paint in there and, and see what it can do, that can be a really big moment. And, you know, I, I know a lot of our viewers will be like, yeah, I'm you know, they, they ignore the, the parts of your videos where, where you're using an airbrush or like, yeah, I don't have room for that. I can do this with a paintbrush or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
there are perfectly valid reasons to not use an airbrush, whether you know about oh, yeah. them or not, you know? Yeah. But yeah, when, when you actually start doing it for yourself and you see the possibilities, mm-hmm. it, it really changes the way you think about how to plan a paint scheme, how to accomplish, you know, certain parts of your, your painting regimen there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the the same is true for for materials. So I know, like the first time I figured out that artist inks shot really well out of an airbrush. You don't have to thin them down. They're less likely to jam things up. Yeah, they don't speckle as much. They give really smooth transitions. You know, that was a moment where I kept going out to Michaels every weekend <laughs> right. and seeing if they were having a sale. Yeah. and I went to like several different craft stores to see which of the FW Dollar Rowney acrylic ink line they had, which of the Liquitex artist inks they had in stock, whether or not they were having any, you know, BOGO sales, buy one, get one. Yeah. And, you know, at this point I, I stocked up. I got most of the colors that are regularly stocked in, in those ink lines. And, and yeah, sometimes you just figure out a new product that you like and just it just opens up a pathway of, oh man, this brown was cool. Let's try the yellow. Let's try the green. Let's try the blue. Uh, the, even the white is good. Uh, okay, let's try the metallic one. Let's try the metallic ink. <laughs> okay, it was worth a try. It was like, worth a try. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bummer. But yeah, I, I, I absolutely love those moments where you learn about something new and that just opens up a new road for you. Mm-hmm. And, and those first steps down that road are so much fun. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That, that so, new discovery every single time that you find one of those things. Um, I think it's what keeps a lot of people in the hobby. You know, it's those breakthrough moments, even if it's just when you're painting and and you, kind of figure out that technique or whatever it is. And the model comes out even better for it. You know, it's just pushing you to keep discovering new things. Um, when I started using oils to do washes or, you know, enamels, same basic thing. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was kind of another big moment for me. Um, being able to do, all of this weathering and black lining and all this stuff and having the ability to just take it all off if I wanted to was like, Oh my God, there's an undo button. Like it's like Photoshop. It's amazing. You know, that that editing process is now something to be mastered. Um, yeah. And that, that was one of those kinds of things. Um, they're just kind of mind blowing. Yeah, and it is, it's really interesting to me to see how some of these things are individuals. We learn about something or, you know, the hobby as a whole has kind of known about airbrushing for 10 years maybe. But then it's still a big thing in each person's life when they, okay, I've got a space for, for, you know, set up an airbrushing station not worried if there's a little bit of airbrush fumes in this room or or maybe I actually have a venting system and okay I've got my compressor I'm good to go let's load it up oh wow I just got a smooth prime coat on all these minis I didn't have to go outside and use a rattle can I didn't melt anything right (laughs) I could actually see what I was doing while I was painting it and so it's interesting how some of these things are 
can be individual, but you, know, you were just mentioning oil paint, mm-hmm. and it seems like our, uh, you know, the mini painting community has kind of rediscovered oil paints yeah. in the last year or so. Um, oil washes have been around for a couple of years longer that, than that in terms of like really known in the collective mm-hmm. hobby knowledge that, that gets shared frequently. And uh, what else? You know, contrast paints were just a year ago. Yeah. And so the the method of painting using washes mm-hmm. was something that, you know, some people definitely knew a couple of years ago, but was not being commonly used. And so it's fascinating to see the the group mind uh, learn and rediscover these things. Yeah. And so sometimes it's, uh, you know, all of us are learning the same thing at at once, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not not the individual excitement, but like the group excitement of I need to try. Okay, I tried the red contrast paint. Now I got to go out and get five more colors. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, spend spend my weeks uh, disposable funds on that. You know. Yeah. Well, I think with this hive mind of you know hobby on the internet these days too, like there's so much testing going on constantly, that where you know painting with washes back in the day was. You know, I'm going to water down this ink and then put in a little dish soap so it runs a little nicer. And, like, that's how you did it. Like, that was the the secret that you had to go to a hobby shop to figure out, right? And now, because we're all in this together and talking constantly, like, we're figuring out these techniques faster than ever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like, you know, a new magic set comes out and it's like, oh, it's been a week. It's solved. Like, we know what the best of everything is, you know? Like, obviously, it takes a little bit longer with the you know, painting and techniques and these kinds of things, but it feels like that. You know, we're all getting together yeah. and cracking the code on things like contrast paints. Um, yeah, it's, it makes for a really exciting time in the hobby. Like, we know more than ever at this point, but we're also discovering more than ever at the same time. Like, we, we are starting to do things in this hobby that scale modelers have been doing for 40 years. You know, like well, chipping That's, that's what I wanted to, to talk about a little yeah. bit is, you know, one of the discoveries you can make is just one of these kind of parallel hobbies. Yeah, yeah. So scale modeling has been around for a lot longer than Warhammer or Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, any of the other games have been. And model planes by somebody who knows how to paint a model plane or a tank or a 1957 Chevy something. Right. <laughs> um, these things can look amazing. Yeah. Because that hobby has been around and has uh, gotten that institutional knowledge and, and that, uh, that tradition. And it really pays off for us to pay attention to one of those other communities. So Something I did want to bring up today was was talking about what other communities intersect ours mm-hmm. and how that can also be a really eye-opening and expanding moment Yeah, uh, in our own education. So scale modeling is one. For sure. Uh, uh, would you include train hobbyists in there? Because that's... I think so. I, 
So it's interesting. I'll admit that I don't know about enough about those communities to know, like there might be some sharp <laughs> dividing lines That's in there. That's a very good point. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, hmm. it, you know, as, as part of our expanding our minds, like I remember when I was younger going to a store and there'd be Warhammer models and there'd also be war machine models. Hmm. And I remember thinking like war machine nerds, <laughs> like, right. I, Get that garbage out of here. I don't want yeah. anything to do with that. What, why do you even stock this? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. And and I think, I'm not sure that I actually like any of the War Machine models, but I think Hordes has, mm -hmm. some, has some pretty good models, you know? Yeah. Uh, these days, I'm I'm much more interested in, uh, in you know, models outside of, of Games Workshop or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Part of it is just the the willingness to to learn about an adjacent hobby or or, or whatnot. But um, so yeah, I don't know if there are some sharp uh, <laughs> sharp lines between the train people and the uh, tank people. You know? Yeah, train uh, guys, the, the and train tank people, guys. and just the car uh, people. Let us know down in the comments whether yeah, or not I'm, that's I'm actually a thing. really interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I think there could probably be some good drama there. You know. It's very interesting to think about. Kind of drama yeah. goes on in scale modeling. Or the, the train people, and they, they walk past the, the Revel model kits of cars right. and stuff. They just <laughs> shake their heads like noobs. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. I I knew this guy a long time ago. Um, weirdly, he worked at like a an O'Reilly's. Um, used to go in and buy like spark plugs from him for my dirt bikes. And like we rode together a few times, but uh, I went over to his house once because he was selling me a bike and uh, turned out that he had an entire room in his house that was just cars, scale cars. And like it was a massive hobby room. You know, he was showing me all this crazy stuff. And like, I mean, I knew what Warhammer was at the time, obviously. And it was, it was crazy fascinating. Like he was talking about how, you know, like, oh, you got to mix this paint in such a way and you get that, you know, it looks like a car and it has to be applied, you know, however, in some certain way. And he was talking about like, he was making wires for the engines so that it represented the electronics inside the car. And he would paint those each, you know, a different color, whatever. And he'd open the thing up and he'd flock the entire inside to make it kind of this like fuzzy interior. And it was just like this whole thing I'd never heard of or seen before. This dude had an entire bedroom's worth of stuff in it. Just kind of nuts. Yeah, that is awesome. And and it's just a little switch in our brains between like, uh, this isn't what I do, don't care, like nerd. Right cars are stupid to <laughs> just a tiny little switch to be like wow this guy has so many ideas this community has been working on some of the problems that ours yeah. is you know tangentially interested in i could learn so much from standing in this room for you mm -hmm. know hours and asking this guy questions right yeah so one thing that I wanted to bring up is something I discovered, I don't know, a few months back. Mm. Model horses. Okay. I've heard so of this. So these are, 
I, I looked into this earlier today, but they're one to nine scale or something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, these these models are well, big-ish compared to, to mini games. They're, yeah. you know, I don't know if they're a foot long or not, but they're, they're, they're decently they're, big. They're decently big. And, and it does vary well, depending know. on the material that it's made of. Yeah. Oh, it depends on the horse for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But there's there's one company that seems to be pretty big, uh, Briar Model Horses. I think that's their GW. Yeah, that's their GW. Uh, yeah, and you think maybe the size of a Bane blade, but not as expensive as a Bane blade, and it's a horse. Yeah. Uh, did I explain it right? That I, I guess. good. I don't know. <laughs> Bane blade, <Yeah>. but horse. <laughs> yeah, and you know, horses are certainly tangentially related to what we do, and painting. Uh, models and toys is certainly related to what we do and anyway there there are youtubers out there who what they do is they paint model horses mm. and they have a lot of the same tools and supplies that we have they have airbrushes uh some of the you know lines of paint they use is the same uh, you know i was watching this one lady who was using golden acrylics oh yeah um for for everything They've got uh, they've got their pastels. They've got their weathering powders. Um, sometimes they also will use like colored pencils and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's fascinating because some of the stuff they do is exactly what they do, or exactly what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll they'll prime up their model and then they'll grab the airbrush and they'll start hitting the muscle groups and then later they'll they'll do some weathering. But it's fascinating the differences are are the really fascinating part yeah so okay so casey you are painting a horse with an airbrush walk me through what you do well i have what, a... what colors are you using and <laughs> what order are you going in i have a pretty awesome video tutorial if you are interested on painting riders of rohan from lord of the rings and i i go through like six different kinds of horses but essentially i would prime them in whatever kind of base color, give them an overall coat of, we'll just say brown in this case, like a, a darker brown. And then I would progressively mm -hmm. from above go a little bit lighter and then kind of pick out, yeah, each of the muscle groups. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it obviously depends okay. on what kind of horse it is, but I also got a lot of crap for that too because apparently I'm not a horse expert. So I painted them all impossible horses. That's what I was told. Okay, so I had forgotten that you made this video or I've never <laughs> seen it or something. Uh, I was just uh, relying on you giving the wrong answer to this question, which you did perfectly, Casey, and I thank Perfect. you. Uh, so, so no, it just <laughs> illustrates the, the difference here. But so the videos I was watching, they would... Uh, do a base coat of like a tan on the horse mm -hmm. and then they would use their airbrush and start hitting the the muscle groups mostly from a top with a darker brown really and so it, so one it's just interesting to see somebody work from light to dark yeah but, yeah but also it's um this cat is chewing on the microphone cord i swear like it did <laughs> I shoot it away because it was purring at me, and now it's chewing on a microphone. It's, it's got up. phantom power going to that mic. If he chews through it, he's not going to have a good time. 
staring at me. Yeah. Okay, it's rolling. Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about cats. I'm talking actually. I need to learn how to paint cats, but that is a different story. Completely I'm talking about horses yeah. right now. So. <laughs> Most creatures, most animals are darker on the top and lighter on the belly. Sure. Okay. Okay. I, I see yeah. where you're going with so, this. So as, you know, many painters were trying to get our sort of natural lighting effect or our highlights where we have lighter colors on top because we're lit diffuse by the sun sort of thing. Yeah. The sunlight passing through clouds, landing on the back of our Saurus warrior. Uh, just lighting everything up a little bit. But if you're like actually trying to paint an animal the way the colors are on an animal, mm -hmm. most of the time the spine is a much darker color than the belly is. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, looking around for my cats here. For one of my cats, it's very obvious that that is the case. And uh, Right. Of course, they're never useful, so it's not here at the right moment. But <laughs> okay, you, you've got, you've got illustrations so sure. right behind you. You got like a pointer or a oh. laser? Uh, yeah. So depending on how we cut <laughs> this frame, uh, there is an orange cat behind me with a white belly, and that is a very common cat type. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, just got that white belly and uh, a darker colored uh, rest of the pelt. But anyway, these this lady painting... This model horse starts off with a light tan and then from above is putting on darker colors. So not only working from light to dark, but also just the, it is completely swapping the most common way that us mini painters paint. Right. You know, we, we often, you know, a lot of us just were taught to start with a black prime job mm -hmm. and then to put on our lighter colors. Maybe there's a wash in there somewhere. But then we're building up highlights with the lighter highlights going on top. Right. But anyway, here, here's this uh, this horse painter who's using that airbrush to get those smooth transitions between the different flavors of brown, and is putting the darker parts on top. And I mean, it's just it's just fascinating, and it makes sense. The models look good. They're using basically the same tools and supplies that we use. But there, it, it just kind of blew my mind. Just like, wow, there are multiple ways to do this. And it yeah. just is one of those switches where it's like, wow, okay, this this makes sense. There is something that we can learn here. And Yeah, there's a lot of horses still in, uh, in Warhammer. Yeah. And, of course, these people love horses, and so they actually know Why they are... what patterns yeah. horses are. <laughs> Some of them got their, you got your Appaloosas, you got your right. zebras. <laughs> uh, you got your... We're not horse people, obviously. We're not horse no, people. No, I got so much crap for that, though. Like, I mean, it's like, oh, hey, these horses look cool, but, like, that would never happen. Yeah, those colors don't ever go together. And it's like, I have no idea. I even looked pictures up, right? Like, I looked pictures up of horses and still screwed it up so yeah <laughs> at least in your example it was middle earth uh, so you're yeah. like uh elves don't exist either uh, uh, yeah yeah it's a good comeback right <laughs> I, I guess you don't have to go all defensive with that type of comment you no could, you I, could I take really it well didn't. and be like you're you're right there's a lot i have to learn about horses and yeah. um 
No, I've, I've never seen a horse that looks like that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I thought they looked pretty good, so that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, there is an issue of scale depending on whether whether you actually have the highlight on the on the back yeah. or not, you know. That's that's uh, the thing that's interesting, or at least it's making me think about it. It's like if you do have a highlight or if you're just painting it as like, no, it's just purely gray diffused light coming in, so you're only seeing the color of the the, the horse hair, right? Like, right. I don't know. That seems so weird to me. Like, how is it then... Because, I mean, I've painted, like, an underbelly, you know, lighter color or whatever, and the top is darker. But then there's still, like, a highlighting step to that. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Uh, Vince Venturella, in, in one of his hobby cheating videos, he mentions that, okay, so you're you're painting an animal. Where do you do the zenithal highlight? Do you do it on the belly or do you do it on, do it on the back? And it's okay to do both. Sure, you can yeah. do the belly because the animal is a lighter color on the belly, and you can do the back because on such a small figure, lighting effects are not going to do themselves with the natural light in our bedroom, you know, sure. in our in our game room. In that's a good um, point, and, and that's one of the things with you with a larger scale is the actual lights that we experience as uh, Brent and Casey yeah, yeah. in in the rooms that we live in for a larger scale models will naturally do some some highlighting and, and shading on a on a model that's large enough to cast a shadow. Yeah. Um yeah I mean if but you're on talking a, but on a very small model you have to horse. draw that in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um hmm. but yeah. Anyway the, the the horse people they've got sometimes they use colored pencils. They use um kneadable erasers in really clever ways to to make like spot patterns on horses. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, that was, that was just one where, you know, I think a lot of people in the mini painting hobby are, are aware of scale modelers mm -hmm. and some are aware of gunpla people. Yeah. Um, to my knowledge, the, the scale modelers have more tricks than the gunpla people do. The, the gunpla people, some of them just have pre-colored plastic, which is a good advancement, but, yeah. uh, I mean, doesn't necessarily I feel like with them, it's, it's a lot of uh, pin washing and oils and that kind of thing to get those mm. crisp, perfect lines. Um, yeah, I don't have too much experience with, with the Gunpla stuff. Yeah. So so part of the, the purpose of this video is, you know, we're giving you ideas of corners of the hobby you might not have thought about before and to, to go do some some learning and discovering yeah. and, you know, have some fun on your own. But also if you have recommendations of, of things we didn't mention to, to check For out, sure. like, yeah, dig on into it. So, um, okay. What, what else? Uh, what's a, What's another thing that was a, was a big moment for you? Huh? Let's see here. It can be, you know, types of minis, types of paint yeah. supplies. I'm trying to think of, uh, like a big moment, you know what I mean? Um, All right, I'm, I'm going to fill space with a little moment while you think. <laughs> yeah. So I saw, like, scrolling Instagram today, I saw this is gaming-related but not hobby-related. I saw pop-up terrain, as in pop-up book style. So it's like a 
a single page pop-up book where you open up the covers and uh, an administratum building pops up <laughs> with with enough room for like five space marines to stand on top of it. And it's both the the game tile and a building. And <laughs> let me see, I, I wrote this down somewhere here, but it, it's just one of those things like, why did nobody think of this before? This is genius. Right. This is how how did this not exist before? But yeah, it's just like a child's pop-up book that pops up an elaborate building, or, or I think some of them pop up like storage crates or, yeah. or something like that. That and, is and so it's cardboard genius. terrain, but yeah, just it folds down to nothing. It it opens up in a second, and uh, anyway, just just a little thing that's. Uh, Warren Dimensions, just like, wow. Let me, <laughs> I think I wrote this table. down. What, what's this called? I, I wanted, I wanted to, to uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> um, like having terrain or having a, like a fat mat type of a thing under, uh, on a game table, that was a pretty big deal, I felt like, the first time. Um, kind of jumping off the back of this terrain thing while you're looking for that. Yeah, like being able to put a bunch of like matching terrain on an actual table, like completely changed the way that, uh, you know, I looked at the game and I thought that was pretty exciting for the first time. So yeah, like having easy pop-up, are these like two by two squares or are they just individual like buildings? I think they were actually rectangular, but yeah, you're in the right zone. Like, sure. I don't know. One so by two square or something it up like and rectangle pops up. That's sweet. yeah, but you open it up and then you have and and yeah, the kind of inside covers of the pop up book were a game mat. I mean, they're, they're cardboard, but they're a game surface. Yeah, and then the actual pop up is a piece of terrain that you can stick models on, and it's right. cardboard or paperboard or whatever, and it. Probably is not super durable. I don't, haven't haven't seen one in purpose, person, but it's a pop up book. Yeah, but it's one of those things like, wow, that's genius. And of course, it folds down so that you have just a stack of these things that do not take up very much space. Oh, here's a cat with a white belly. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those cool things. Like, wow, people people are smart, and uh, why did no one think of this before? And um. Yeah, kind of, kind of associated with that is just putting the magnets on the bottom of our minis to store them in cake pans, right? Or, or <laughs> to to transport them. That's one of those things. Like, wow, we don't have to break our minis with foam. We can stick them to a to a sheet of steel, and and have them not bump into each other when we walk around with this sheet right. of steel. You know, there's nothing actually uh, touching them. That's a it's a much much more protective way to transport them. For sure. All right, I stalled for you, Casey. What do you got? What's a breakthrough moment for you? You You've had your chance for me. I just talked about one. Um, you're killing me, man. So 3D printers right. are cool, right? <laughs> okay, let's we we can walk down this path. This so, is I mean, just a little. The, so so the path I was going to walk down is um, just discovering like a new type of mini or a new company that produces sure, minis sure. that you want to paint that sort of thing so uh i have a 
talked earlier about like you know not caring generally being aware that war machine was sold in the store that you were in but not caring about it at all right you know, yeah knowing that okay there's there are non gw companies out there but yeah who cares like there's there's nothing good there <laughs> well the first time i went to a, a game convention really was one of these big moments in my life where like oh wow look at the world of awesome stuff that's yeah. out there that i could have found before but i just didn't know about and it's one of those changing events like wow there's so many styles so many settings uh so many ways to paint so many you know uh the an example that I'm I'm going to keep talking about over and over again is the first time I went to Gen Con, because just walking around the vendor hall there, of okay, GW has a booth, and its booth is located in row thirty, uh, <laughs> stall twelve. You right, know? it's not it's uh, not thirty o twelve is is where the GW booth is. Yeah, yeah. and there are forty rows of game companies of mini uh, you know half of which have minis and you just walk through there and know that you're you know only seeing like a percent of the of the awesome stuff that's out there and i just remember you know some of these companies i just see one mini in particular on display or like a cool poster or something like whoa that's a thing right um and so you know part of the part of this is when conventions are a thing again try to go to one like the the vendor hall alone yeah. is probably worth it um, yeah yeah i mean i uh, when i went to lvo which was really my first like mini convention um and i mean that's that's a tournament you know more than anything but they have a vendor hall section and it was it's kind of nuts to see how much stuff out there even even something like paint ranges like Citadel paints are not the only paints out there, and it's kind of insane when you start to really dive into that and and try other paints. There might be another paint range out there that you like way more than GW paint. Yeah, like it. Yeah. You know, I've I've used a ton of different paints, and uh, I think you know, I guess an interesting one, an, an eye opening moment was realizing that in order to paint warhammer figures or to play warhammer that you do not need to exclusively use games workshop products like lifting that barrier off you know it kind of bringing it back to that that whole airbrush thing i was talking about earlier like i had the citadel brush and i'm thinking like no this is how you paint these models with a citadel brush and their little tiny pots of paint right and uh, I think when I broke away from that, that really elevated my hobby in a lot of ways. You know, being able to just use whatever product I needed to or whatever paint from whatever company, like, you know, whatever GW skin tone is for Caucasian skin isn't the end all for skin tones, right? Um, I'd say that was a pretty big moment for me in the hobby overall. It was just yeah. getting away from that. Yeah. And and this sounds so obvious and so stupid, right. <laughs> but uh for for some of you out there like there will come a moment where you understand what we're talking about and it won't sound quite so stupid anymore, but right. yeah, I remember back uh 
going to the Keep Game Store in in you know South Portland, Maine, and they had their Games Workshop range, and right next to that they had their Vallejo paints, and that was another situation. Uh, like, Psh, yeah, Vallejo paints. What do I need? Why, why are you even like wasting space in your store with these? Like, what's that's what uh, it felt like though. Like garbage this weird drop dropper bottles. Loyalty. Oh, so you oh, so you're committing to waste a couple of drops of paint every time. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. only gonna use a half a drop of that paint and the rest of it is gonna be I mean, I I give you that one from back in the day when the paint pots actually worked. <laughs> totally give you that one. Well, even still, you know, I uh from those days I did get a couple of bottles of Vallejo back then. Yeah. And fast forward 15 years, guess which bottles still work and which ones are solid. For sure. You know, it's it's the Vallejo bottles that that still work after all that time and Yeah. Maybe maybe it did take those 15 years for me to learn that okay, this is not money wasted when I buy a bottle of this paint, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also maybe it took me 15 years to learn that uh the couple of drops that you squirt out to to paint for the evening um actually aren't that high of a percentage of what's in that bottle as a whole <laughs> right. and that bottle is going to last you for a while a long except for black which while. you know you rim all your bases in you, you gotta oh, buy yeah. a black every once in a while but yeah the rest of the colors you're fine yeah <laughs> plus you're plus you also have a airbrush and you're spraying everything goblin green you know you might have to buy an extra green but goblin green Somebody mm. still makes that, right? The P3? Vallejo does, yeah. Vallejo made, well, yeah, I mean, they make was... Goblin Green, but do they make Goblin Green? No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, not not quite, not quite. There there definitely was a difference. No, Vallejo, uh, thinking back to the Hexagon, I think Hexagon, maybe Octagon, and it, when, whenever I started with the Games Workshop line, mm. the the names on the Vallejo paint at that point in time were very similar to yeah. the names on the, yeah, Vallejo GW. It it very much seemed that, you know, Vallejo was copying off of the Games Workshop paint names at that time. Of yeah. course, now they've stuck with those same names for, for 20 years, and so... Um, so now they, now they own them, but... But yeah, Scorpion Green from Games Workshop, Scorpy Green from Vallejo. That was always a fun one. Right now it's called uh, Scorpion. Bestial Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Bestial Brown from Games Workshop. Uh, Beastie Brown from from Vallejo. <laughs> <Right>. That was <laughs> Goblin Green from GW. Goblin Green from Vallejo. <laughs> like you can't copyright that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't trademark Goblin and Green. Oh, that's funny. But yeah the the willingness to use other brands of game model paints and then the willingness to use other brands of model paints and then the willingness to just see what artists have to offer yeah. like these are all little barriers that when you break through them you're like oh it's so weird too. tiny paint brushes have existed for hundreds <laughs> of years and are not all sold uh at right. games workshop stores you know <laughs> for double uh, the price yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So talk wanna talk about some some different lines of minis here? Like just Yeah, like why don't we why don't we throw down a small list? Just a just a teeny it, tiny a small list. list. So Yeah, we were talking about some this episode and we're like, you know, we could just talk about different non GW yeah. mini companies, but I think that 
would get pretty boring after a while. So let's let's just do a couple to kind of yeah kind of outline the range of cool stuff that are still minis for games. Yeah. You know, um, there are two in particular that I want to talk about because they're very similar companies. Um, Die Hard Miniatures and Dark Sword Miniatures. They both make like pewter models in kind of the old way, right? Like it's hand sculpted, made for pretty much Dungeons and Dragons. Um, like Die Hard Miniatures is a little different in that they're they're kind of going for this old Warhammer vibe, like specifically like advertised as we make old hammer minis. Like that's their whole thing. But there's some really cool stuff that you don't see too often anymore um, with that kind of hand-sculpted look to it. You know what I mean? Like the those old kind of fat-faced models, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool, though. I like them a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can go back in time if you want. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for that nostalgia, yeah. I think there's still a lot of people who are, like, looking for... The way things used to be, I guess, um, they're they're very yeah. used to like a certain kind of model, or you know, they want to reminisce about some of those older types of models. Um, both of these companies kind of do that, and definitely make me think of those old models, like back when I started. Um, just kind of funky sculpts, but like really, there's a lot of character in them. Those kinds of things. So, yeah, I appreciate that some companies out there are still hand sculpting and, you know, pewter injection molding and whatever models. It's great. Yeah. And and there are a lot of companies still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one on my list, I didn't know whether I'd mentioned or not, but Crocodile Games is, is mm-hmm. one that I ran into at a convention. And, uh, you know, the minis that caught my eyes were Crocodile Warriors. <laughs> right. And they're just, yeah, uh, crocodiles standing upright with like big stupid toothy grins <laughs> and holding a mace or something. And, you know, that sort of thing could be in Warhammer. It is not exactly in Warhammer, but it's one not of those exactly. things. It's just like, I didn't know I was looking for this. This is a discovery. This is going on my list of things to do one of these days. Just paint a bunch of crocs. Um, yeah, paint a bunch of crocs. Yeah. The same company, Crocodile Games, also had Yetis. And again, that... Mm. I've been talking about Yetis for a year or two now. Yeah, man, it's been a I've while. Been like, <laughs> yeah, I won't. I no, haven't don't. stopped talking about Yetis. You know, don't like, stop. Why are there not more Yetis? We need more Yetis. Get yeah. in there. Um, you know, walking around like gladiators, arena Rex. I didn't. Mm. Of course, I want to paint gladiators. Like Spartacus is an awesome show. Why would I not want to just really, really get in there with that? You know. Uh, yeah, the movie Gladiator is is pretty I was entertaining. Say, like I'd I'd paint a tiny Russell Crowe. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, then if we start doing uh, like Master and Commander Russell Crowe, then we're getting mm. on into uh, yeah, you know those tiny ship people, and then that's a whole other ooh, thing, right? That's a that is a that is a whole other thing. You know, you the know people maybe... making giant victory mm. uh, like HMS victory. That sounds right to you. Yeah. HMS Victory is that the, is that the flagship of Lord Nelson? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't Th- know. these big like <laughs> ships of the line from eighteen hundred. Right, right. Whew. 
So is the feud between like scale modelers with cars and trains and boats, is that just a whole separated thing that they're all just feuding all the time? I feel I like think that's the sailing thing. I think the sailing vessel boats are different from the the Age of Steel boats. I think those are I think those are two different things. I'm just assuming everyone hates each other. Oh, there, there's rivalry, I'm sure. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah if you put once you start bottles, getting into the ironclads, mm-hmm. I bet there's, I bet there are some sharp lines being drawn for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there, but anyway, in in our little world, yeah, it, it's it's always amazing to me how much there is to discover in our little world. Yeah, like, uh, let's talk about, uh changing the art style there there's still minis but there are some absolutely adorable minis that you can buy right now if you want to (laughs) and so i I think i've mentioned dungeons and doggies on this show before yep uh we've alluded to cats and catacombs although i forgot what the name was at the time yeah my mystics Oh yeah, is that yeah. the same company? I don't, I don't know. No, 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 no. Is it's it? a okay. board game, but it has little cute little mice that you can paint. Uh, yeah. Adorable, <laughs> and all of all of our skills from painting Imperial Guardsmen with their melta guns uh, can be put right to use on these cute little dogs that have their magician's hat on and their adventuring exactly. packs. You know. Yes. And sometimes that that little change of pace is is just what you need to invigorate yourself and and get you back to the hobby again, you know. Yeah, having a palate cleanser and is definitely a thing. Yeah, I mean, it starts as a palate cleanser, but then all of a sudden you've got a <laughs> you lot of road. adventuring animals. <laughs> right. Yeah. I started with one dog, one dungeon. Yeah, ended up with a whole. Just a whole mess of animals. An entire animal shelter's worth yeah. of dungeons and doggies. <laughs> and that's fine. That's yeah. good. Good, right. you know? Um, look, I, I dare you to uh, Google search Anteater Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, there are, mm. you know, every, almost every animal has been made into a, a fun little adventuring sci-fi fantasy character at this yeah. point. And with more being added all the time, yeah. And, and weirdly, uh, except in particular, I'll mention chairs until now. But yeah, and, and that's one of those things. Like when when somebody figures out that I don't think it was that long ago that somebody figured out uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but they're all dogs, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I think that was fairly recent when when somebody figured that out, and then everybody was like, "That's a great idea. Why did no one think of this before?" <laughs> And and they've made several sets of them now, and then they expanded to cats and and good. Yeah, it's not like Redwall hadn't been a thing. Redwall had been out for forever, but I don't time. think that many adventuring animals uh, minis had been made. Some sure. Yeah, uh, yeah you just bring. But that, yeah, like that uh, you stuff. can discover all of these super cute little little creatures. Uh, Grebo Games has a has a line called Cutimals. Cute animals, cute animals. Sure. Yeah, and it's just like cute little penguins and <laughs> owls and bears and stuff, and they're adorable. They are, they're, and they're uh, stumpy little little guys. They have like orcs and they have like little pig faces. 
Stuff um, we never thought would ever be probably right. in existence. Right. And on the, you know, this stuff that cannot be rated anything other than G, like right. absolutely general audience. But then on the other side of that, there, yeah. <laughs> if you opposite. want to discover the, the polar opposite uh, side of that, there is uh, hard, mature, or at least hard R stuff out there. Mm. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some things. Just giant dicks yeah. on everything, poking out at all your other models. Yeah, yeah it. We uh, Casey and I both, you know, preparing for this, looked at the homepage of Kingdom Death today, and <laughs> yeah. just what they choose to put on their homepage. Um, yeah, that is that is a new area of the hobby. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 something that you can discover. I mean, they've been around for several years at this point, but yeah. that is certainly something that is there for you to discover if that's what you want to do. Um if you yeah, want more like really R-rated cool and probably not crossing too far over from R, like Creature Caster has some pretty spooky demons uh, or yeah, some spooky. very messed up demons. Yeah. But I'd say they Yeah. They kind of keep it at the rated R level, whereas Kingdom Death yeah, is such so. a mixed bag. Like, you just never know what you're going to get with that company. <laughs> like, they make models yeah. for everybody. I mean, some of them aren't for everybody, but uh, the, the range uh, of for models. For everybody? I, yeah, let's yeah. change the wording on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that the range, they can make some for for you over here or for you over here. There's a range. Yes. Um, yeah, we don't we don't know exactly what to say about Kingdom Death. I think that's coming across, but that is that is one of those things that's out there for to discover. And for some people that absolutely are into that uh, crazy, mm-hmm. absolutely unfiltered insanity. And it is insane. If, yeah. And for some people, like yeah, go for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but there's there's so much out there uh waiting to be discovered and we're we're trying to provide like yeah little on ramps or off ramps to some of those things give you some ideas yeah just some of the interesting things that we may have found cuz i mean you know like i was saying about the you know using games workshop products exclusively not even knowing that really there was something else out there and i know there are still people like that you know if you were introduced into the hobby via Games Workshop, you might not even realize that these companies exist. Like, somebody is probably making the perfect model for you right now. And that might be Games Workshop, but it might be Kingdom Death. Like, you never know. So it doesn't hurt to go yeah. check things out. Yeah, there there are certainly lists of other games out there. Um, you know... I think, a, like, Adepticon, you can find the list of vendors that should have been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Gen Con, you can find the list of vendors that should have been there. And this is a good starting places to just start to waggle your toes into all the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, there are a lot. And, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if we're, we're properly conveying the feeling that comes along with realizing that something exists that you didn't know exists that you didn't know you wanted but all right. of a sudden like wow this is a great idea isn't that just our, yeah, a few our episodes ago in general, you know, like figuring figuring yeah. that the figure out that something exists that we didn't know we wanted and now we just want 
It's like the entire ner- mm-hmm. nerd culture just summed up. Yeah, but keep your eyes open, you know? Oh, yeah. A couple, uh, couple episodes ago, Casey mentioned the idea for Pokemon minis. Right. And, like, my mind was blown. All of a sudden, <laughs> I wanted those. And, and apparently, there's there's a, kind of a limited line out there already. Sure, but yeah. I don't know if I want a limited line. That that defeats the whole purpose. No, you know? I, I want a full-on skirmish battle game with evolving mm-hmm. Pokemon. That's what I want. Right. Yeah. Someday, Casey, someday. Someday. Hey, we got 3D printers. It's like we literally could just do that ourselves. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That, man, that's a, that's a wide open field there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just got to get some people who don't care about getting sued by Nintendo or whoever owns Pokemon and you're, you're in business. You know, like, the, so the last video I did was like talking about converting orcs and stuff and 3d printing parts. I got a lot mm-hmm. of people like, Oh man, like a uh, GW going to come after you. And I was like, why? And, and you know, in the same respect, why would, you know, the Pokemon company come after me for printing Pokemon. I mean, I get that there's an intellectual property, but I'm also not selling it to anyone. It's for my home personal use. Like, there's nothing technically uh, illegal about that. They could come after you for that sweet ad revenue, but uh, yeah, okay. They didn't invent, you know, jetpacks, so I'm not sure uh, how much of a claim. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, um, and printing out orcs that are obviously not GW orcs, not claiming that they are. Like, just because yeah. I attached them to a GW product, like, I'm sorry, that that's not grounds for anything. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. You also uh, you also just said that you decided not to sell these orcs, you know? It's not yeah. like you're uh, going to pop these up as, on eBay saying that they are, right. you know, O-R-K-Z orcs. Right. And... <laughs> oh, even then, like, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not too worried about that, but... Uh... Yeah, printing printing a Pokemon game. I'm sure there's a skirmish system out there that would work. Some kind of like wizard fighting. Is there a wizard fighting skirmish game? Like it's Harry Potter a skirmish game yet? Where are these things? I need these things. I feel Brent. like I've seen Harry Potter minis. There are. I yeah, do feel like I've there seen is. that. Yeah. Um yeah. they're super expensive though. Cause they're like are very they? limited Kickstarter. I think they just did another run of them or something. It's kind of like the, what was it, Night Models? I think it is Night Models. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's pretty limited. But yeah. Look, I, I think where we're going with this is look into painting model horses. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't joke with you about this. Like, look into painting Briar model horses and prepare to have your mind blown. Like it'll change your life. Like, I I'm right there with you. I mean, the fact that they they just do it backwards is insane. That's just the beginning, my friend. And then they get out the colored pencils, and they yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a a little master class, if you will, in in painting textures because the on these horses, I, I think some of their manes and their their tails are sculpted with kind of implying individual hairs, but. Mm. I think most of it is just smooth plastic for, you know, the the bulk of the horse, but horses have tons of fur out there, and so, you know, all these clever ideas for getting the the texture of hair on a horse, which yeah, is yeah. fairly, 
you know, lays flat and it's got like a sheen to yeah. it. And, and there certainly are individual hairs there, but you can't paint them all. And how are you going to get that effect? Like there's, there's tips and tricks. I'm telling you. Definitely. Right. Let's, uh, let's leave people with that to think about and close up here, Casey. That's, that's exactly what I was about to do. And on that note, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. And as always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>